Hello and welcome to the Family Brand Podcast. My name is Chris. I'm a husband, a father, and an entrepreneur. My name's Melissa, and I am a wife, mother, former nurse turned real estate investor. And we believe the greatest gift you can give your child is a last name that stands for something. Your last name is your family's brand. If you are a parent who wants to raise your child to know who they are, love who they are, and believe in who they are, this show is for you. We promise to bring you real and authentic conversations with parents and experts who are committed to making their family their life's most important work. This show will help you take a stand for your family and to raise your children by design, not default. Welcome back to the Family Brand Podcast. We are really excited for this episode, and this is an emotional, could be an emotional episode for us. And I may are likely to cry at any given time. (laughs) I think we start every episode with, we're excited about this one. <laughs> we're excited about every episode. <laughs> this one's really, yeah, really meaningful. And we weren't, this wasn't an episode that we had planned, but based on, we just sold our home um, on Monday this week. We sold the home that we've lived in the last eight years and a home that we've loved more than any, in any home, for any sure. home we've ever lived in. That's why this podcast, this episode's called Dear Home. Dear Home. Yes. So Chris had this fantastic idea you have good ideas <laughs> to i'm gonna make her listen to that once in a while <laughs> but i just said that mm-hmm. that part um so the day of the sun last sunday the day before we sold our home he had this idea where we pulled out everyone's journals and had them write favorite memories trials lessons and blessings that everyone feels have come to them why we've lived in this home and that was it was such a cool experience to just hear everyone's memories, mostly the memories, I guess, that they associate with this home. And we've lived there, like Chris said, for eight years. So our 13-year-old, our oldest, he has lived there since almost five, maybe almost six when we moved there. So six to 13, that is such a huge chunk of a life. And it's easy for it's easy to forget. Like when our kids were recounting memories, I was like, wow, that happened here? That happened while you were living here? Like the thing that hit me was when I was kind of going through like the trials that I'd faced to that time. Mm-hmm. It actually had me have more appreciation for the home that like no matter what was going on in my life, no matter what trial I was facing, I always had this home I could come to that like welcomed yeah. me and took care of me. And just kind of a cool thing to reflect on. It just had me had more appreciation <laughs> and gratitude for the home, looking at the trials, lessons, blessings and memories. The whole journey. And then the next thing I know that Chris had to do was to write an actual letter to the house. And then, so that, so our house is on an an acre. We have had our horses there in a kind of a pasture at the back of the property. And so we wrote a letter to the house and then we left the letters We kind of, we buried them in the back of the pasture to kind of be there and become, become part of the house. So we thought we would start out the episode with a couple of the letters. Um, we'll do my letter and then the letter that, that Tanner, our 11-year-old, wrote. Because his was just, I just thought it was pretty amazing. And this is the part where I am likely to get emotional. So I apologize if I do. So it starts, Dear House, thank you. Thank you for all the memories. You were a dream come true, truly. I dreamed for so long of having a house like you on a beautiful big piece of land in Gilbert. That's our hometown. We made so many memories, friends, and grew here. I brought home two babies to this house. Our families grew, our family grew and developed here. We homeschooled, we cooked, we grew gardens, chickens. We poured so much into you. Rethinking every little piece of you to best suit our family's needs. You were amazing. Always letting us tweak a little here and a little there so that 
You could become the home that we needed you to be. You are so beautiful. All the love, sweat, tears, joy we have poured into you. I think of the backyard and how we took out half the stalls. <laughs> we had a bunch of horse stalls that we that took up so much of the backyard, so we took half of them out. Um, we built the most beautiful garden beds, grass, playground, etc. Such a labor of love. And then the house itself, the planning, the dreaming, the forever long list of things we wanted to do and accomplish. It was so overwhelming and daunting at times, but we did it. And now it's time for a new dream, a new beginning, and a new chapter. I will always remember you with such fondness and appreciation for everything you have given and blessed us with over the past seven years. You are forever in my heart. Love you, Melissa. <laughs> Love you. And just writing that made me feel like, oh, this, like our house is like another family member almost. It's like been there for us and gotten us through our whole journey. Yeah. I knew our house meant a lot to us and we would talk about it a lot, but it wasn't until we did this exercise that I realized just how much our home means to us. Like that really has become part of our family. Yeah. So I'll share the, I'll share the letter that my 11 year old son and everyone wrote beautiful letters, but I think I wanted to share his because he's probably the, and he gave me, he gave me his permission to share it by the way. He's probably the, of all of our children, the one who's, it's the hardest for him to like share how he feels. He, he's very emotional and he has a lot of emotions. Um, and when I say emotional, like he's just very outgoing and he's very like loving and affectionate and like, but hard for him sometimes to share his feelings. Yeah. To verbalize. And so he, he, he shared this and had to pause a few times and tear filled eyes. And it was just like such a powerful, special like moment. Yeah. He said, dear house, Thank you for all the memories, trials, lessons, and blessings you've taught me. Thank you for letting me play here and letting me enjoy experiences that would not have happened anywhere else. You've taught me that it does not matter how big your house is, how much money you have, or what kind of car you drive. What matters is the people in the house and that the house is simply yours and you love it. This is a quote from someone, but I forgot who it is. <laughs> quote, the richest man in the world could have everything but have nothing because the only things that really matter are love, friendships, and joy. The poorest person in the world could have nothing but have everything because they have love, friendships, are happy, and have joy. Once again, thank you for all that you have done for me. Love, Tanner Clark Smith. I think I, you know, I think I cried more when our kids were reading their letters than I have in the last two years. I think to the point Melissa thought like, uh, is he going to be okay? <laughs> no, Chip, our five-year-old looked up at me. He's like, is dad crying? <laughs> <laughs> it was just like, yeah, it was just like this overwhelming emotions of gratitude and just like seeing how much that home meant to our children. Like our 13 year old Tate, he ended, he ended his letter with, um, goodbye old friend. <laughs> and so I thought a lot about that because over the years when people would come to our, our house, they would actually say, and it always stood out to me. They would say like, and this is kind of your, I love your house. It just kind of, it just feels like a home. And no one had ever made that comment to us on any place we'd ever lived in. Like, ah, oh, this, this feels like a home. And I always, it made me feel really good. And I always thought it was mostly because of Melissa's amazing vision that she had for when she redesigned it and remodeled it and the design of the decor, which is amazing. And Melissa's talented at that. But what Tanner helped me realize and what I saw that day is that I think what really made our house a home and this magical place for us, it actually had little to do with the design and the decor 
and it had way more to do with the love between the people living there and the time we spent there together. Yeah. Cause you can create that in any home. You could be in a 500 square foot apartment and have that. And you could have the biggest home possible, not have that. Like mm-hmm. it actually has little to do with the home, but you know, so I think for us, there's some things that we learned that we didn't even know that we had learned, like some things yeah. we realized that this home had really taught us that we thought we'd share that might make a difference for, for some of you. And just some of these realizations that we've had in the last few days and in that moment on Sunday. Yeah. And I like what you said before we started recording just about along the same lines of how many, how many footballs do you think you threw? Yeah, a lot. Don't worry, Melissa's ugly crying in the background. <laughs> I really am. <laughs> but I really think that like that's one of the realizations we had about this home is that we spent a lot of time and it didn't matter like really the size of the house or what was in it. It was just we spent so much time in our backyard playing baseball and playing football and playing games that we made up and the playing meals we ate together. Yeah, the amount of meals we ate together and we cooked together and we built a chicken coop together and we built garden beds together. Like we we built and created together. And I think that's what made it so special was that like this home was a creation. And I guess that I'm realizing that you can create wherever you're at, like any home. And any home can be a magical place if you spend time there together and if you play there together and if you wander there together and you dream there and you eat meals and you cook together. Yeah. And I think just a small backstory to the house and I think why why it's maybe so important to us is I think it I think it represents so much more to us than just the house. I think from the house it's a journey of Chris and I coming together. Like when we moved there, our I wouldn't say our relationship was lived in a better place than it had been in years prior, but I think our journey and evolution as a couple was kind of represented by this house. And also when we, the way we got into the house is kind of funny. Chris had taken a job out of state. And so we were selling our house and right before, like a few days before we were supposed to move, the company we were going to for the job would dissolved. And we tried, we called our realtor and we were like, can we get out of the sale? We can't, you know, we're not, we're not moving anymore. And he's like, no, like it's closing. Sorry, you got to move. So we were scrambling, trying to find a new house and this house where we ended up popped up on Craigslist one morning and I drove over there and Chris wasn't, he wasn't um, even there. I just, I think I signed the lease right when I got there and it was, it was sad to say the ugliest house. It really was. <laughs> it was easily. Like, it was easily the ugliest house on the street. And I don't know what to say other than it was the ugliest house on the street, but it, we had this vision for what it could become. And we eventually ended up buying the house and turned it into like our dream house. I mean, it wasn't, and by dream house, I mean like it wasn't that big. It wasn't that flashy at all. But when we, just, we moved in, it was 1600 square feet and there was six of us, five, five of, us. of us. Yeah. Then we had trip and then we had Indy. Yeah. I brought them home to that house and it, it still is, like I said, isn't it like a flashy house, but it, it was like the representation of our, of us dreaming together and creating, creating together. Yeah. Like watching that house transform kind of changed me. Like of like it was it's it, that house is a demonstration of like creation and what's possible when people dream and yeah so we we enclosed the garage completely like basically rebuilt the inside and the outside looked totally different but even once we enclosed the garage it was only two thousand square feet yeah and and people would come over there all the time like at, at first they'd be like I can't believe seven of you even fit you know in two thousand square feet and then they would be in there for a while and they're like oh it just 
actually works and it feels so good. And like you have this property, but I think some lessons that we learned, we just would share is before we moved into that house, every home we'd moved in had gotten bigger, right? So we, we, we started off in a little apartment, moved to a little bit bigger condo from a condo, a little bit bigger house from that house to a bigger house. And that was kind of always the path. Like, oh yeah, we'll just keep getting bigger, nicer yeah. houses, more, more, natural more. progression. Yeah. yeah. And then we moved into a 1600 square foot home. <laughs> It was, I don't know, six or 700 square feet smaller than where we had been living prior. And 30 years old. Yeah. 30 years ugly, ugly inside and outside outdated. And we couldn't, you know, we were just renting at that time. So there was like nothing. I didn't feel like nothing we could really do about it. We were just living there. But then Melissa and I started talking like not that long after being in there. We're like, we're happy here. (laughs) It's, it's ugly. It's small. And like, yeah, we'd like to make it a little bigger, but. It had us rethink, what do we really want? And I think it's so easy to get caught up as a family and like, well, what should we do? And what are we supposed to do? And comparing ourselves to our friends and our neighbors and other people. And it's like, well, but what's important to our family? And what we realized is like having a really, really big home just at, at this time isn't important to our family. Yeah. It forced us to reevaluate when I don't think other we would have otherwise. No. So, and you wonder how many areas of our lives just as, as a family or families, we do that, you know, we're just kind of asleep, just kind of drifting. Like, and so when we added on again, like in this, not a flashy street, just, you know, all the homes are a little bit older on acre lots and, but just good neighbors, good people, like mm-hmm. good down to earth, the like salt of the earth people. So that was a lesson that, and, and the lesson isn't for us, like the size of the home. <laughs> the lesson is that it's always, it's important for us as a family to always be asking ourselves in any area of our life, what's important to us as a family, I not love, what we think we should do or supposed to do. And I love that T- Tanner highlighted that in his, in his letter, like that he, that was also something that he learned. You know, we could go to friends' houses that were maybe bigger and nicer and it didn't, it didn't matter. Like it didn't mean that they had anything more or that we had anything less. Like it was just, it wasn't, it wasn't a thing. I love that he learned that lesson. Yeah. And I would ask my kids that sometimes like we'd, we'd go play, you know, places that had much bigger homes and really beautiful homes and they'd have pools or full court basketball courts and, you know, just really cool things. And then, you know, I'd always ask my kids like, do you, do you wish we had that? And do you, would you want, do you want to live in a big different house? And sometimes they'd be like, oh yeah, it'd be cool to have a pool or it'd be cool to have this. And then, but they're like, oh, I don't want to live in a different house. Like I love our home. So I just, it was just a reminder to me that we can create that wherever we're at. And speaking of wherever we're at, our home, our home closed on Monday and we don't leave for Hawaii in three weeks. So we're actually staying right now, seven of us and two dogs in a 700 square foot, two bedroom, one bath apartment <laughs> in a fourplex Melissa just renovated. And guess what my kids are saying about that? We love this little apartment. It's so cool. It's so fun. <laughs> Kids are so resilient. We keep saying that like this place that especially tripping into you are four, almost four and five, the only home they've ever known. We just left it. And Trip the other day was like, oh, this is cool. We went on a bike ride around where we live now. He's like, we live in the city now. This is cool. <laughs> yeah. We're staying in what is called downtown Gilbert. And there's a lot of really cool shopping and like stores and restaurants and stuff. And so it's just like. But again, I I realized like, well, wherever we go, we'll always have a home because we have each other. And if in that place, we are committed to spending time together and creating together and dreaming together and eating meals together and working and serving together, like that's that's what will always have us have a home. Yeah. One other thing that, that we learned living there along the same lines is there was a point we were renting the house. There was a point before we bought it where we were kind of looking, we were ready to buy and the owner we were renting from, he wasn't ready to sell. So we started looking elsewhere 
for homes. And we had a couple different people approach us kind of like um, who are a little bit older, a kind of empty nester age. And, you know, we were looking at homes with just more space, I guess you could say. And both of them separately advised us. They're like, you know, just really consider if that's something that you really want. Because in our experience, when we bought that bigger house, it just allowed more space for people to like just disappear into like the corners and kind of get lost and ultimately created less connection amongst family. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so interesting. I never, never would have considered that. So I think that's something that we you know, the wisdom that they shared with us and their experiences some around that is something that we will for sure consider when we when we buy a house again. Yeah. And and, and what they would say is like they would go a long time sometimes and never see their kids, but they were all in the same house because people could just like disappear into the basement or upstairs or and so we didn't realize that we never felt like we were on top of each other in our house, but it certainly wasn't big enough for anyone to get lost. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not saying we'll have a 2000 square foot home forever. Maybe someday we build, you know, a bigger home or, but designed in a way that like, yeah, that was just a lesson that we learned. Like, how do we have our home be a place where people gather and connect and come together and don't just get lost? Like, I think, I think too, though, that something that we did a lot together in that home that to me makes any place you live a really magical place and a home is we dreamed a lot together in that home. Like, yeah. Every year we created vision boards as a family and individually. And every week in our kids' check-ins, we'd talk to them about what they wanted and what they wanted to create. And I think it's so important as a family to dream together. It's important for every individual of the family to have a dream of what they want, but to dream together. And I also think that like that's something you can do anywhere, regardless of how big your house is. Um, I can't stress this enough, like eating meals together. <laughs> There's you know study that we, you may, we may have already talked about on a podcast and st- out of Stanford University that where they measured the number of times they measured families that eat three meals or less a week together. And then they measured families that I think eat six or seven meals a week together. And that's the only thing they measured. <laughs> they didn't measure any other dynamics. And just that one thing of meals was this indicator of like significantly greater chances of like teenage pregnancy, depression, suicide, drug use on the families that ate less meals together. So one thing you can do regardless of the size of your home is you can, you can dream together. You can cook together. You can eat meals together. You can play together. And some people say, well, I don't have a very big backyard to play in. It's like, well, we can play inside. Right. And so I just think that was something that really, you know, made it magical for us. I think, and then I think also building things together and I wouldn't call us the most professional builders or handy. It probably took us three times longer than it should have built the chicken coop. (laughs) But building that chicken coop and building the garden beds and like, um, we did lots of yard work together. And oddly enough, our family worked a lot better on the days we did yard work together. And so I thought, yeah, we just, we just wanted to share with you kind of this experience. And also that this is, I think a tradition we're going to carry on now in every home we live in where part of us, like, like transitioning out of the home is writing a letter to it and leaving it on the property and leaving a piece of us there with it. And then we've also made the decision that when we moved to Hawaii, our first day there, we're going to actually write letters to the house and introduce ourselves to the home and state our intentions for being there and what we want to create there. The vision. Yeah. Because I think you can you can have your home be just a, a building with four walls that shelters you and like is a place to sleep, or you can truly make your home like part of your family. And I think we've missed that on some places we've lived. Yeah. And I like what Chris had Chris had put some of this up on his Facebook um, and someone had commented. I thought it was so, so interesting. They're like, you've really provided your kids with closure 
you know, through this experience and this exercise. And I was like, oh, I would not have considered that you perhaps that we needed closure for this chapter. But I'm like, of course, as I got thinking about it, of course, like, you know, this is a huge part of our lives. What an opportunity to provide closure and have introspection. And and I just think that's something that, again, I'll take, I'll take forward. Yeah. And to that point, like, it was really funny because to, to what Melissa said earlier about kids being resilient, I kept asking our kids, like, you guys okay? Like, you know, a day after, two days after, they're like looking at me like, yeah, we said bye. Like we, we love the home, but we said bye. <laughs> Melissa and I were the ones that were like, I'm like, I think we need to stop talking to our kids about how sad we are. Cause I actually think they're doing great. Like that, that again, I, I just get thinking like in, when I worked in the pediatric emergency room, I was always amazed at the resilience of kids. It's, it really is amazing. Another thing that, another lesson that I think I learned from this is that Oftentimes, one chapter in your life has to close in order for another to open. But that chapter that closed will always be part of who you are. But it's okay to have that chapter that's closing. It's okay to feel really sad about it. It's okay to be like kind of really torn up about it. And that doesn't mean that because you're so torn up about it, because you're so sad about it, that the chapter you're opening is wrong or bad or you made a mistake. No, it just can be part of the process. Like there's just like this natural like grieving process, you know? So on Tuesday morning, I woke up, we had sold our house on Monday. I woke up, as Chris mentioned, to find ourselves in this like 700 square foot apartment. (laughs) (laughs) So funny to think about. And I was like, what did we just (laughs) do? (laughs) What are we doing? (laughs) And Chris was at home. He had gone to the office or something. And I messaged him like, oh, I'm kind of sad today. And he called me, he called me a little while later and we had a great conversation. But one thing that really stood out to me that he said was, you know, would you, when you look back on your life, do you wish you would have, will you, are you going to wish you would have stayed in that house? Because we were so comfortable there. We loved it there. Or are you going to look back and say, oh, I'm so glad we took this adventure and we took this opportunity and we tried something new. And undoubtedly it would be that. Like I'm going to, I know that I'll look back and be like, oh, I'm so glad we took this we took this risk because it does feel like a risk right now into, into the unknown. You say into the unknown and I want to start singing the frozen song. I know because Indy <laughs> makes us listen to that on repeat all the time. We, uh, our three-year-old Indy is like the only things we can play is Moana or frozen. I think all of our kids at that age, like three or four have a movie that they'll watch like seven times a day, like, and they never tire of it. And then the soundtracks, so yeah, I know, I know, I can belt, I can Into belt, <laughs> yeah, I can belt out some frozen. I think another thing that we talked about on that call was like, what would be the bigger regret, right? Like mm-hmm. selling the house or not going on the adventure. And then I think another thing we talked about was like, if you can just always remind yourself that the best is yet to come, Yeah, like that was amazing. This is an amazing chapter in our lives. Like that eight years to me was like magical. And there were so many trials too. Some of the hardest trials in my life, right, happened in that eight years. But yet, if I can say like, yeah, it was amazing and the best is yet to come. And after this next adventure, guess what? The best is still yet to come. Yeah, because I have a tendency right now to feel like, what if we never, what if we never have this again? What if we never, you know, this projection of fear into the future. I love what you're bringing up right now about always keeping that in the front of your mind that the best is yet to come. And and I meet people in their 60s, 70s, 80s who still believe that. And it's real for them. The best mm-hmm. is yet to come. And then I've met people in their 
thirties and forties and twenties and myself times who don't like, so that's all, you know, the best is over. Like it'll never be good again. Or especially in a time now when there is some, you know, uncertain, there can be, there could be some uncertainty about the future. And yeah. And, and I think though, when I look back at those eight years, what made it so magical and the idea of like, Oh, it was the best eight years. It didn't happen. We created it. Mm-hmm. And so the reason why the best is yet to come for all of us is because you'll just create it to be so. Yeah. <laughs> like the only way it could ever be like, oh, the best is not going to, the best is not yet to come is that's then resigning ourselves to like, everything's outside of my control. But like, we're always in control. Like maybe not of our circumstances, but our attitude. And yeah, the best is, uh, the best is yet to come. And, and I actually want to share this quote by Viktor Frankl about this idea of attitude. Because again, in my grieving <laughs> this week, <laughs> I just thought about, look, I can, I can go into this 700 square foot apartment with six other human beings and two dogs and like really have a bad attitude about it and really have a bad attitude about selling our house. Or I can, yeah, like the best is yet to come. I'm excited. I'm super grateful that we have this 700 square foot apartment to live in right now. I'm mm-hmm. super grateful for. And so in Victor Frankl's book, Man's Search for Meaning, which is one of the most impactful books I've ever read, um, we'll link to it in the show notes. I highly recommend you read it if you haven't. And, and Victor Frankl was a man who was, uh, you know, during World War II, he was put in a Nazi concentration camp. His mother and father were killed. His wife was killed. Most of his life's work was destroyed. Like he had every reason to like not believe the best is yet to come. And one of the quotes in the book says, everything can be taken from a man, but one thing, the last of the human freedoms to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. And so I think for us, we'd love to just, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Like, what what have you done or what are you currently doing to make your home a magical place? Like are there traditions or things you do in your yard? Like, yeah, what is it? And we'd also love to hear from you. Like what have you done when you've moved into a new home? What did you do to make it yours? Because that's something that we're going to be experiencing here yeah, really I, soon. I have never not lived in Arizona. So I, this is going to be a lot of new things. Like I won't have a lot of family. We don't know a lot of people. So I know a lot of you listening probably have experience planting yourself in a new place. I'd love to hear how you navigate that. Yeah. And then the last, my last thing that I would encourage you to do that I think, again, we've missed out on a little bit in in the different homes we've lived in is, is maybe you don't have to wait to write a letter. You know, you don't have to wait to move to write a letter to your home. What could you do to maybe see your home for more than it is? What would it look like to write a letter to your home now? Like I'll have all your kids do it and like really adopt your home into your family. Like, like make it part of your, part of your family. Yeah. Whether it's big or small or old or new, like just giving gratitude and acknowledging the home for everything it provides for you. Or if if you're just moving into a new home Mm -hmm. or you just have moved into a new home, like, yeah, being really clear on like dream, dream, like what's going to happen together for you and your family in that home and what you're going to create together. I don't know if the kids would let us write a letter if we were just randomly, if we were just randomly proposing this idea, let's write a letter to our house. They might not be on board, but for us, it worked out because they, I think they wanted the, the closure, the experience. Okay. Until next time. Thank you guys. Bye. Hey there. Thanks for listening to today's episode. To show our appreciation, we want to offer you a free gift. We have an incredible online course you can get now by going to familybrand.com or by following the link in the show notes. And while you're there at familybrand.com, be sure to follow us on social media so that we can go on this journey together. 
Lastly, if this podcast has impacted you, we ask that you share it with another powerful family in your life and be sure to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. We will see you in the next episode.